I've titled the sermon, In God We Trust. Now, in just a few weeks, the coronavirus has turned our lives upside down. On Friday, I went to Sainsbury Supermarket, uh, opposite our church here. And I thought for a minute I was in Zimbabwe during the Robert Mugabe era. The shelves were completely empty. And a woman turned to one of the staff members there in absolute shock. She looked at her and said, are people really stockpiling milk? Really? She was very, very shocked because she had just come from work. And, and, and clearly she had planned to go to the supermarket and she found the shelves completely empty. We are living in unprecedented and perilous times. The elderly, uh, pregnant women, and those with uh, respiratory medical conditions are now self-isolating. Millions must now work from home. Schools cancelled. Hospital visits cancelled. Funerals cancelled as well. Weddings cancelled. And of course, many churches, particularly larger churches, uh, have had no choice but to cancel. All of life, as the Times newspaper, I think, put it earlier in the week, all of life is now on hold. The global death toll uh, is about oh, around closer to 13,000 now, and with cases now around 300,000. Italy alone has seen over 3,400 deaths, and actually I think it's climbing closer to 5,000 because I think they had 1,000 more uh, yesterday. Uh, many countries in Europe are ordering people to stay at home. Uh, they, in France, you must carry a document specifying five things you are meant to be doing before you can get out of home. And even then, they might just stop you. And the media tells us that this is going to happen soon here. There may well come a time in which we can't leave our homes at all without the permission of the government. We are only at the beginning. And the world media uh, continues to remind us that life will never be the same again. Now, I'm not a politician, and I'm not a scientist, I'm not a pharmacist, I'm not a practicing economist anymore. So I will leave all the analysis to the, what the world calls experts, uh, those we are depending on at the moment to serve us as a nation. Jesus called me to preach his word in season and out of season, in sickness and in health. Uh, and he has called me to preach the word, to direct your attention to God who alone has the power to change the situation. And so that's what I'm going to do this morning. The question before us, the question indeed facing the world, facing all of us is simple. How should we, as followers of Jesus, respond to this crisis? Those of us who know Christ. What should be our default response? And my task this morning, looking at you, all of you, I will know your Bibles very well. My task this morning is just to remind you of what you already know. Uh, and to remind you that we don't trust in anything else. It is in God we trust. We must put all trust in the true God of the Bible. And to remind you of this, please turn with me to Psalm 11, which we just read there. King David wrote this psalm over 3,000 years ago at a time when his life was in danger. Now, we are not absolutely sure what the historic context of this psalm is. Now, it may be during the time of Absalom uh, when the son rose against his dad and uh, chased him from power temporarily. 
Or it most likely, I think, is just an unrecorded historical event that took place during the life of King David. The situation here is very simple. It seems some enemies of David are on the verge of mounting a military coup to take power from him. They are plotting to take his life in secret. His life is under threat, just like all of us here today. And the way King David responds in these Psalms uh, teaches us some important lessons about how we should respond, especially against an invisible enemy, especially in a situation in which we cannot understand. We, we have no power over the situation. And it teaches, I think, us here three lessons on how we should respond. The first lesson from King David here is that we must trust God because he is present with us. We must trust God because he is present with us. When we are in trouble, there is always a queue of people who claim to have an insight, a special insight on what's going on. They always seem to have the answer to the issues. And David, it seems, has such people around him. They are aware of the threat that he's facing. They are aware against the threat over his life. And they are urging David. How should David respond to it? Well, the advisors are saying, run for it. Run to the mountains. Look at verse 3. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do, they say? Just make a run for it. In verse 1, uh, it says that they are telling him, flee like a bird against your mountain. Because the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark, in the secret, at the righteous, at the upright, in art. Now, these advisors mean well. I think we have to assume they love David. We have to assume they are experts at keeping David safe. And I think it is important that for David to hear what they have to say. But it seems as David is listening to them, as he's hearing what they have to say, he's getting a bit uncomfortable from what he's hearing. Because for all their spiritual, for their all intellectual brilliance, these advisors are spiritually blind. They are giving sound human advice. But it is man-made. It is wisdom from below, not wisdom from above. Because you see, David knows that behind every situation is a deeper spiritual reality. Yes, the enemy is invisible and invincible, but God is all-seeing and all-powerful. David knows that he has a true relationship with this God of the Bible. So why should he run away and hide? God is with him. Here is his full answer. Let's just read verse 1 to 4. In the Lord I take refuge or trust. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark, in secret, at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then he says this, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelid test the children of man. David is saying, look, yes, I am staring death in the face, but I am trusting God as my bodyguard. The Lord is still on his throne, he says. The Lord is still overseeing the affairs of this world. The Lord's eye is still over my life. Wherever I am, whether I'm in the palace or I run to the mountain, whether I'm at home or my church, the Lord oversees all things. God is with me. 
You see, David has been swept off his feet by his dangerous problems, but he has landed on his knees, trusting the God of the Bible who is always with him, who is always with us. See, problems always change our relationship with God. They always do. They either drive us closer to Jesus, or they drive us away from the Savior who died for us. Is the coronavirus escorting you to God, or is it driving you away from Him? Is the coronavirus escorting us as a church to the Lord, or is it driving us away from Him? Is it making you pant for God, or is it making you pant for groceries in the supermarket? Is it making you pant to live for God in such a way that you care for others, or is it making you pant for your selfishness and care about others? As a follower of Jesus, beloved, be confident that the eyes of God are watching over you every day. Over every single thing going on in your life. All of last week, the eyes of, God's, the eyes of God watched over you. He was with you when you got out of bed. He was with you as you ate breakfast. He was with you as you drove off to work. He was with you perhaps before that as you, uh, he was with you before that as you dropped off kids at school. And of course he then went with you to work. He was with you as you were out shopping, trying to look for groceries as it were. And he was with you as you woke up this morning, as you came here. He's with you right now, right here. And he isn't just around you. If you're a true follower of Jesus, God lives in you. He's listening to your thoughts. He's feeling your feelings. He's sensing your fear and your anxiety about COVID-19. As a believer, you can be confident that God lives inside of you by his spirit. You know, the presence of God with us is like water, isn't it? Imagine you are completely immersed in water. It is all around you. There is no escaping its reach. But the water also is inside of you, isn't it? How do I know? Because biologists tell us 60% of our body is made up of water. So when you are immersed in water, water is outside of you and it is inside of you. And God is like that. He's like that water to a true follower of Jesus. He covers himself all around you by his omnipresence. Wherever, you can never go anywhere from his presence. So he's all around us. That is true for a Christian and it's true for an unbeliever. But the difference for a believer is that God is also inside of you to sustain you by his spirit. You see, if you are in Jesus, there will never be a time when God is not with you. Because God in Christ does not practice social distancing. He has promised that I will never leave you nor forsake you. So this morning, trust Jesus our God because he is present with us. That's the first thing we learn from David. The second thing David wants us to remember here is that we must trust God, not only because he's present with us, but because he's powerful for us. That's the second thing. He is powerful for us. Now every society has its powerful figures, doesn't it? In during King David's time, there were kings or military generals who were the powerful figures. In our society today, 
We are powerful figures who shape the way we live. We look to politicians, don't we, uh, to, to plan our lives and keep us safe during the COVID-19 crisis. We are looking to scientists. They're telling us constantly, trust the science. We are following the best science. The, science, the scientists now, of course, are really in charge, we might say. The philosopher kings, we might call them. And of course, we have the journalists we are looking to, to interpret the event, to make sense of the word for us. And they are business leaders. All of us are very worried, so we are looking to business leaders. It was very interesting that we had, uh, I think the man who's in charge of the British Chamber of Commerce or something like that, giving the press briefing this week. Because we need them, we need business leaders to arrange our lives. These people hold power over us. Why? Because life is complicated. And life is frightening, and, and all of us want these powerful people in society to hold our hands through it, especially this present crisis. So we look to these powerful authorities, and on top of that, many in the world are looking within themselves, aren't they, for some inner emotional strength to face the darkness that confronts us. So we look to these powerful people, and we also look deep inside our hearts. But if COVID-19 has revealed anything, it is that we are not enough. We are not as strong or wise or powerful as we think we are. Beloved, just one virus has turned the whole world upside down. Not two, not three, just one. We are small, we are fragile, we are weak. Our humanity is not something to depend on. None of us are powerful enough to look after us in any situation. You are not powerful to look after your wife. You are not powerful to look after your husband. You are not even powerful to look after your children. You are not even powerful to look after yourself. None of us are. So relying on ourselves or anyone else to keep us will only bring disappointment. But I mean, let's listen to the best advice because all good scientific advice is God's advice, we might say. And let us not depend on it. Let us not depend on ourselves. We need to trust in the power of God. Because God can do for this nation more than any politician or scientist can do for us in a millennium. We need him. And in this psalm, we see David leaning on the omnipotent shoulders of God. He believes God's power is the answer to his problem. Look at verse 4 to verse 6 there. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. Verse 4 is just telling us that the Lord is sovereign and is powerful. Look at verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. And then David prays. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and the scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. To summarize these verses, David is looking to God. He's not looking at his enemies. David is saying, look, my enemies look like they have an upper hand, but their arms are too short to box with God. Verse 6 is him just saying, I'll leave God to deal with them. David is reacting like this because he knows that God sometimes has to put us on our backs, right? God sometimes has to put us on our backs in order to make us look up to him. In order to make us look up to his almighty power. 
It is only when we are lying flat on the back that's when we'll be forced to look after him. Most of the time we have, even for believers, we forget that we need him. David knows, you see, that for a child of God, even our deepest valleys are on higher ground. Because God is powerful for his people in whatever situation we are in. That is, of course, Psalm 23 reminds us of that as well. But here's the good news, isn't it? If you're a true follower of Jesus, for those of us here, who are trust, which is all of us here, who are trusting in Jesus. And the good news of this is this. Is this. The good news of the Bible is that this omnipotent God has put on the weakness of human flesh in Jesus. And why has he done that? He has done that so that we who trust in Jesus can share in his power. That's the incarnation. The powerful God became weak so that through his weakness, the weakness of the cross, we may share in the power of the resurrection. So that we can say with Paul, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in us who believes. You see, as we go through the book of Mark, we are seeing this power of God on full display in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus. We have seen the power of Jesus walk into that temple in Mark 1 and heal this, walk, walk into Peter's house and heal his grandmother. We have seen Jesus stop that woman who bled for years. We have seen Jesus raise, I think, from the dead, um, raised from the dead, not just Lazarus in John, but we've seen raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. We have seen Jesus drive out demons in Mark 5 as he drove out the demon of the two men. We have seen Jesus walk on water. We have seen Jesus calm the storm. We have seen Jesus twice feed the hungry. And we have seen Jesus give faith to people to believe. We have seen Jesus heal the leper. And towards the end of Mark, as we continue in Mark, we're going to see Jesus take death in his own body and defeat it by his resurrection power. Because you see, Jesus is the power of God on full display. And if you are as a follower of Jesus this morning, this omnipotent God, our Lord Jesus, is now directing his infinite power towards you. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 20 to 21. We pray this often, don't we? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Listen to this. According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Now last night I, I shared that terrible news uh, of our beloved brother at Belvedere. Uh, who, uh, became, who we believe has become very unwell with COVID-19. When I heard that story, it just brought tears to my eyes and mixed with fear. Because this is somebody, first of all, I mean, this is somebody that I know very well. I was just seeing his Facebook post a couple of minutes before that. And he had actually posted Psalm 23. I thought about his wife and what the wife must be going through. The six-week-old baby. 
I wondered, is this all a dream? Is this really happening? And it felt, it, it filled me with dread, to be honest. It left me completely shaken. And it raises questions, doesn't it, for all of us. Is when we, we're all going to meet people we know very well. And it's going to raise questions to us, isn't it? Are, are some of us going to catch it and die? Are you going to live beyond the April? Is law and order in this country going to completely break down? Are our jobs safe? Where is this church going to be in 12 months' time? How long will the shutdown, when it does come, going to last? It must last long because, you see, they've got to do something for, before winter. We don't know the answers. And to be honest, we don't need to know. We don't need to know. What we need to know is that in life or death, Jesus is powerful for us. That's what we need to know. I need to rest on this truth that God called me before the foundation of the world. And that he brought me into this world and that he saved me by his everlasting purpose. And that he knows me by name. I need to know that even the end is, is numbered by him on my head. I need to know, as I am to say, in life or death, O oh Lord, abide with us. I need to know that he abides with me in life or death. I need to know that no matter what happens, his power will keep me with him. And that's the news I need to share with my family. And I need to share it with, with, with whoever I come into contact with. I need to remind them that there is no other way for us to live than trust in the omnipotent hands of grace. Trust in this God who laid down his life on the cross for our sin. His power is our only hope. He alone is our refuge. So we must trust God because he's present with us. We must trust God because he's powerful for us. And the final truth is we must trust God because he's purposeful, purposeful towards us. He's purposeful towards us. As we look at this psalm, we cannot miss the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is this. If God is present and he is powerful, then why is David sinking? Why is he sinking? He is sinking. Why is he sinking? Is it all a cruel joke? And, and many people are quietly asking that, aren't they? Many believers are asking that. Why is God up to with all this corona business? Okay, God is in charge. But why let me live in fear for my life at this moment? Why turn my world upside down? And I know that as believers we can dismiss those questions. But I think those are important questions. And many of you, as you come into contact with unbelievers and begin to share the gospel, this is, this is a great op gospel opportunity, actually. Most revivals, when they've come in history, they have followed a time of turbulence of some sort. It might be the Lord is preparing us for revival. And so as you begin to share the gospel with others, which you should, via your WhatsApp digitally and calling up friends and encouraging them, pointing them, tell, telling them, look, this is what we looked at on Sunday. We looked at Psalm 11. Can I just share with you what we were reminded of? As you have those discussions, the question will come, isn't it? But why let this happen? Why let me live 
in fear for my life? And that's a, that we should accept that as a question. And at the same time, we should recognize and remind them that it is built on this assumption. The assumption that question has is this. Believing in God or following Jesus is about me being happy in my life. That's the underlying question. Why does God let this happen to me? The underlying question is, well, surely believing in God or following you should be about me being happy and comfortable in life. That's what society tells us, isn't it? Society tells us the purpose of life is being happy. That's all. Just being happy. Really, to the world, it probably doesn't matter if they could be plugged into the happiness machine, right? I just pretend being happy, they're actually enjoying happiness in life. Because it's really hedonism, it's happiness that drives society. But you see, King David says, no, 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 life is not about that. God has a far bigger goal in mind than your present happiness. What is God up to? Look at verse 7. That's the answer. For the Lord is righteous. All God does is right. He loves right things, righteous deeds. What's the goal? The upright shall behold his face. David is saying God is using all the things in his life, all the things in this world, including the threats we face from COVID-19 and all other threats, to prepare us to see him face to face. God isn't isn't working for temporal happiness. He's working for everlasting happiness for us, we might say. To behold his face in glory and enjoy God forever. Isn't that what we say? What is the chief end of man? Is to know God and enjoy him forever. And that is why David is being tested. Look at verse 5. All the things that's going on in his life are just a test. A positive test to prepare him. Look at verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous. Did you notice get something there? Notice that David is not saying suffering makes us attractive to God. He's saying we are tested because we are righteous. He's not saying the Lord tests us to become righteous. He says the Lord tests the righteous. The test David has in mind is a test that Allah going through James has reminded us. It is a positive test. It is a test designed by God to transform our character to make us grow every day to become more and more like Jesus. To prepare us for that great day until we see him face to face. I have in the past told you a story about a man who used to carve beautiful figures in wood. And then one day he asked someone how he makes the sculptures. And the man said, look, I take a block of wood and I look at it for a while. I see the animal trapped inside Then I take a knife and cut away everything else. And that produces this beautiful sculpture. Now at this moment as we sit here, we are feeling that painful knife. As God uses COVID-19 to slowly cut deep into our lives in one way or another. Oh, it worries us, doesn't it? It fills us with fear for our lives. It exposes the, the, some of the false foundations and assumptions we have built life on. We have had plans for the summer. We've had plans for what we should do for Christmas. I had plans on celebrating Happy Girl's birthday on the 29th in a very wonderful way, our sixth. We have such plans, isn't it? Which we often don't even consult God on. And this knife of COVID is like, nope. Not that. Not that. Look to me. Just remember, Chola, I'm in charge. 
That's what God is doing, isn't it? Reminding us he's in charge. And sometimes for some of us, this COVID-19 knife that God is wielding is going to be very painful more than those examples I've given. We might, as the Prime Minister says, lose loved ones. But let us remember one thing. That knife is being held by our loving Heavenly Father who crushed his own son on the cross for our sins. God is wielding this painful knife at this moment, but he's our God who holds the knife. It is painful, but his purposes are good. He's wielding this knife to fashion you and I into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's doing it for our good. You see, the world believes the coronavirus has just come about randomly. We believe diseases and epidemics are messengers of our creator God. When the coronavirus has finished the job God has assigned it, he will bring it to a stop. Of course, we should pray for it to end. But let us remember, God has allowed it for his glory and for our good. We need to look beyond the physical and see God as the grand architect from eternity past who has appointed and is overruling this virus that's ravaging the nation. Oh, we don't need to speculate about what, what that ultimate purpose is. We don't need to. Why? Because the Bible tells us here. It is saying this, for the Lord is righteous. Everything the Lord is doing concerning the coronavirus is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. And the upright shall behold his face. His God in our lives, the reason he allowed this thing to come about, is that he wants to prepare us to see him face to face. Oh, beloved, God does not willingly or unnecessarily grieve his beloved children. He's allowing us to be afflicted in this way because it's for our good. So this morning, let us submit to his will and have confidence in his word. Let us trust him and wait on him. Let the word of God push away our fear. Let us have the fear of God as our brother has prayed earlier. Let us pray to him and that he would have mercy on his people. But most important, that he would strengthen us and make us more like Jesus through this situation. David is not spending his time sleeping on Facebook or on Twitter or on YouTube, moving from video to video. He's not doing that. David is spending his time seeking God. Let us learn from David to pray. Because we know God can display his power without our prayers. We know that. But he has not ordained it that way. God has made it clear that unless we pray, Sometimes he won't act. He asks us to pray. Jeremiah 33 verse 3, which I'm sure you know by heart. Call to me and I will answer you. He doesn't say I'll answer you before you call to me. He says call to me and I will answer you. And will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So let us go to him in prayer. Let us read his word and keep our thoughts saturated in his word. Because this psalm has been written to strengthen the people of God down the ages. 
It is for us. The Bible, we are reminded in Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints or marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Jeremiah 23 verse 29 says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Beloved, there is no secret on what we need to do in these dark times. We need to put our full weight on God, not on anyone else. And we need to grow in doing that by the simple means of grace is provided. Reading, studying the word, and praying. And enjoying that particular this time where we can the fellowship in the church. But if we can't do that especially, we should be doing that anyway. Uh, we should be doing this anyway, meeting in homes with our uh, our wives and, and family around the uh, meal table, reminding ourselves of these precious truths. We need that ongoing fellowship because God is at work and he has work for us to do in these troubled times. So let's trust God. May the, may the Lord, our God, have mercy on all of us these dark days and may he help us to say from the bottom of our hearts, in God we trust. Amen.